Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi everyone, you're about to hear our very first live show which we recorded at the Toff in town in Melbourne on the 30th of August for Father's Day. It's full of new cases and it was an incredible time thanks to the sold out crowd who made it the best night ever. But here's the big news. We are doing a live show in Sydney. I'm not kidding. On the 11th of October at Giant Dwarf in Surrey Hills, we'll be doing our second ever live show. It's going to be absolutely packed with amazing new cases, some in-depth analysis of cases from the book, and a story that we'll be doing off the record. That's right. You will actually have to come along to hear it because it won't be going in the podcast. Otherwise, we'll get in trouble. And this one is selling out extremely fast. I am not kidding. Heaps of people actually missed out on the Melbourne show because tickets got snapped up almost straight away. So run, don't walk, run over to giantdwarf.com.au or to the Loose Units Facebook page or just Google Loose Units Live in Sydney and book now. It's going to be the ultimate Loose Units experience. Oh, and there's a limited number of special tickets we'll be selling where a physical copy of the book is included too. And we'll be selling copies on the night and signing them and taking photos. Anyway, don't miss Loose Units live in Sydney on the 11th of October. And if you want to hear what a live Loose Units episode is like, please enjoy Loose Units live in Melbourne. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Now, uh, a couple of weeks back during a recording session, you started a story that um, you gave me a look indicating that you wanted to save it for later. Um, Now, I'm not sure if you want to delve into that tonight, but uh, you mentioned that you were... Because prisons are obviously where people in the criminal system end up, typically mm. speaking, yeah. and they're not good places. No. And you've had several encounters at prisons which yeah. are pretty sketchy. Um, there's two specific stories that you started to tell that I'd like you to tell tonight if you're comfortable with mm. that. Yeah. Uh, and the first one involved... You, you started telling it backstage, actually. All right, well, I'll, I'll tell you the first story that involves... In prisons, you've got uh, you've got a, a hierarchy, you've got pecking order, and if you're sort of if you've got an attractive uh, male person, who uh, he, he needs to align himself with a certain group within the prison. Now we all know about we know this part of the story where you've got gangs that are very powerful, you've got bikies, you've got crime gangs. Now guys in jail 
they will swear black and blue um, that they're not gay, but they do like to fuck guys, obviously. But then when they leave the system, they revert back to whatever. Really? Yeah, it's sort of it's a it's a it's a sort of a it's a power thing. Um, you know, it's to 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 fulfil sexual gratification. And if if you're a sort of a good-looking young guy, these groups within the jails they will they will sort of take ownership of you. But they will, in turn, for sexual gratification, they will protect you, mm. because these really good-looking young guys. Can you imagine what it's like in this sort of testosterone-filled animal kingdom within the confines of jail? And 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 you know, people have to sort of fulfil all, all the urges. So this particular young guy, he was assigned to a particular group of. Uh, he was the bum boy for. For this particular gang. That's now, the what term happened they was, used at the time, right? Yeah, this is a term. Yes, it's a term used at the time. It's yep. a term used within the jail system. Okay. These are, these are not... I'm just using terms from that period. Mm. And what they used to do, they, they, they would protect him, but they would, he would sort of service these guys. Now, what happened was he started to stray to another group and he was warned and they said, don't go to this other group. We look after you, you stay with us. And he ventured... Uh, again, and what happened was we were called into uh, Long Bay Jail and we went down into the uh, the gymnasium and I was confronted with uh, this young guy who had a, a 50 kilo, uh, you know, weight that they dropped on his head. So his head was, and you've all heard the story about, uh, uh, you know, the pizza face guy that fell from the building... So it was similar to that and he had this massive weight. So what happens in that situation is they leave the weight in situ. He was well and truly, uh, you know, ratchet. And, uh, and that, that, that was a, uh, as a direct result of him, uh, you know, sort of grazing with other groups. He'd been warned and then they decided to... Uh, to finish it. Do you think that still happens? Because 2019 is relatively enlightened. I'd like to think that if somebody fell in love with a guy in prison, they could come out and, you know, pursue that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's slightly different to this particular situation in okay. terms of, uh, you know, that sort of the, the group thing. So that, that's a fairly, uh, that was fairly, fairly, uh, you know, full on. Now, the next story that I'm about to tell you, again, it's a jail story, uh, which is really bad. But I'll tell you, because I know you all, you know, I'm not saying that's what you're here for, but, you know. <laughs> just, just, just quickly, just, just like a general check of well-being. And if anyone's, like, having trouble with this, that's cool. You can just step outside for a bit. That's fine. We won't judge you. Um... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> My wife's struggling, yeah. Um, are you, I mean, do you want to... I'll, I'll, I'll go with the second story. Um, sim- similar situation, Long Bay Jail and... Uh, <clears throat> this particular guy again, he was um, he was warned, and uh, unfortunately, uh, well, God, I'm not sure whether this is good or bad, but they bashed him very badly. But he had to have a um, uh, he had to have his spleen replaced, <clears throat> and um, similar story. <clears throat> but what happened was uh, the look back in the day in the 80s, the the system in jail was it was. Well, who's heard the story about the transsexuals in Long Bay Jail that used to be um, pimped out by the prison waters? And that's pretty, pretty, you know. Is Long Bay the worst of them? Uh, like in terms, in terms of, of jails, well, Pentridge used to be terrible. There was Parramatta, Goulburn, 
you know, a supermax. Um, look, the, the things, the whole dynamics have changed. But can you imagine that as a young police officer when I saw these uh, Asian transsexuals that shouldn't have been in the male prison for start? I don't know what the story today is, but I can't imagine that they would, that they would do that. But, you know, it was just... You know, just they were being, um, you know, uh, for, for money, the, the prison warders were, were basically their, their pimps, uh, pimping these beautiful, uh, stunning uh, Asian, mainly Asian transsexuals. And they were, I mean, that's fucked. And, I, and I'd be out there, I'm in my early 20s and I'm thinking, what is wrong with this picture? But no one seemed to, it was just, no one said or did anything. It was corrupt and it was, when I was a policeman in the 80s in Sydney, it was frontier land. It was, you've heard me say this probably, because um, I've said it on air, on TV and... You know, it was, you, you kind of made your own rules. You, you'd go out on shift and, and it was just, you'd pull over cars at night time. I worked with police that if you gave them any cheek, um, they'd take you into a back alley and beat the shit out of you and then charge you with resist arrest and assault police. That was standard. There's a chapter in the book um, about Ant-Man where you witness a very, very bad police bashing where they literally chase a guy into an alley, beat the shit out of him yeah. and then charge him. Yeah, and if you're an honest policeman that I was, that's the worst type of policeman to, to have been in the, in the 80s was to be honest because you couldn't be trusted. Yeah. And um, the, the other thing about corruption is that um, if you decided to just dip your toe into the corrupt world and then go home and think, what the fuck have I done? The next day you couldn't go back and say, you know what, fellas, I, I don't like it, you're in. You've done it once. Yeah. You're in for life. Um, so this particular young guy, he was in the prison hospital at, uh, at Long Bay and a couple of the guys, um, this is um, post-surgery, and they broke in and they uh, fucked him through his uh, the wound where they'd replaced his spleen. Okay? So, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. So it's like these things actually happen in real life. You know, it's all, it's the power thing. Can you imagine tearing a guy's wound? No! Yeah. Well, that's, you know, hey, you know, th- that, this is a story from, from the annals of my time in the New South Wales Police Force. That's not the story I thought you were going to tell. <laughs> you told me a story about, like, a charming prison break, and that was really... Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> well, that's fucking hell! Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, my God! The wrong story. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, well, while we're on that, I'll tell you that story to sort of make us feel a little bit more, you know, fuzzy. Um... <laughs> There was, a, uh, there was a maximum security uh, section within Long Bay Jail called Katingle. Has anyone heard of Katingle? Okay, so it was so terrible that the United Nations came in and said it was so inhumane to deprive people. It was into sensory deprivation and it was really, really... It was like a jail within a jail. It was one of the... Probably the first major supermax um, sort of wings within the corrective services within Australia, sure. and um, there was Russell Mad Dog Cox, who was, he was a notorious um, psychopath. He was in Katingle, and he, what he did, he was a clever guy, because a lot of crims, you know, people, I don't know what we all think in this room of crims, they're not necessarily silly or stupid. Some of them have got incredible IQs, 160-plus, smart guys. Mm. It's just a matter of in their life, you know, you know what, what direction we take. And he was very clever. He got all these guys within Katingle and every single night they used to hang by um, 
a bar in the in like a skylight, and they had a they'd got a hacksaw blade, and every single night for months they just saw away, hanging by one arm, incredibly difficult, and they'd all organised. I mean, they'd all organised to leave the night that they finally got through. Yeah. But Russell Mad Dog Cox, he'd got these guys to do all the hard yakka, and he went the night before. He fucked off. And he left them there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Now, they closed that place down because it was supposed to be escape-proof, mm. so that made the government look a bit silly. Anyway, that's, that's uh, a bit of a... Well, what happened to Russell? Russell, like I know him. Look, he... Um, <laughs> um, Old Rusty. That's a good question. Yeah. Not sure. Not sure. Hey, speaking of Rusty, um, uh, yesterday I was on Twitter and I jokingly told Russell Crowe that he should play dad in the Netflix series of Loose Units. And he said, let me know when you've got a producer and funding and we'll talk. <laughs> now, d- first of all, dad, I know you were looking for, are you, are you down with that suggestion? Are you a Russell Crowe fan? I will. I, it'll, it'll warm on me. <laughs> Sure I, was picturing, I was picturing Sam Neill or someone like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Yes. Um, so, uh, I guess I, I'll... Oh, sorry, Tegan was waving at me. Do we have... Do you want to do some questions? Yeah, they're getting past you guys. Oh, great. It's like being at church with a collection plate, only it's probably going to be very inappropriate questions instead of... Holy cow, there are a lot of... Yeah, great. All right, so, let's see. Yeah, great. 
Great. Uh, this is from Chris and Tay. Tay? It's Tay. How did John's life in the New South Wales Police Force influence Paul choosing a life of comedy instead of crime fighting? Too much black humour, perhaps. Um, I mean, why do you think I turned out the way I did? Do you think it was anything to do with your career? Do you know why I do what I do? Because we've talked about this before. I mean, I I considered becoming a cop, briefly. Um, Mainly, don't laugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey guys, could you maybe keep it down? Ow! You know, just not, I'm not built for it. Um, but I uh, finished um, high school in year 10 and went to TAFE. But I, I must just say for, for everyone here, yeah. Paul was a very brilliant student and he was bullied at a boys' school and he was bullied badly. Who knows about those wire brushes they use to wipe the slag off when you do a weld? So this particular guy went up to Paul. Paul is a true pacifist. He's a, good, he's a great guy. If we had a cockroach in our kitchen in Sydney, no word of a lie, if I killed that cockroach, I had hell to pay. We had to take individual cockroaches outside. I'm serious. That's why there's so many in Sydney. The ones I saved bread. Yeah. <laughs> Paul could not see any living thing injured. And for that, I admired and loved that in Paul. And then one day at this private boys' school that shall remain nameless. Hey, you should name the school. Paul's yeah, Manly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Paul had won all the college medals for, for year 10. He, was, he, was, he won all the medals for, in all the academic subjects. And this fuckwit got one of these wire brushes and took all the skin off the back behind his knee. Fuckwits. Paul had a broken nose. He never told us what happened to him. He'd been pushed off a chair by these assholes, but he was too scared for what Christine and I would do. You know, it was... We, we, anyway, so what happens is we go to the school and we confront the assistant principal over this horrendous bullying and they try to apportion blame to Paul as a contributory blame and we thought, hang on a sec, this is fucked up. Paul left school, he was so traumatised, so they lost their best student... He did a design fundamentals course for 12 months and then he went back to Cromer High, which is a state school, and they, thank God, got all the kudos for Paul. And then Paul went on to uni. Why am I telling you this story? I don't know. Oh, anyway, it's a, it's a good yarn. Well, no, no, look, but look, I mean, I, I pursued comedy because comedy is a great defence mechanism um, and obviously gallows humour is a thing. That, I mean, you use that as well. Like part of the book and the podcast yeah. is, you know, coping with trauma yeah. through comedy. Look, I understand everyone tonight that if you see uh, footage of police that are horrendous crime and there have been some fucked up crimes in the last six months in Australia, just beyond the pale, occasionally, and it looks really bad, you'll see the police outside smiling or laughing or joking, for fuck's sake. What else are they supposed to do? They've just been and seen something that's beyond imagination. As I said on Channel Channel 9... Nine? Was it 9 or 10? Nine. A few weeks ago, I said the only thing worse than what we see is if you go to war, which is pretty, pretty bad. Right. And also, for those of you that don't know, but you probably do, is that I spent all those years in the police force. I then joined the Work Cover Authority investigating industrial accidents. There was an industrial accident in uh, the rice bubble? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone said to me, uh, I think it was yesterday, about whether it was me that actually put the gloves on. 
the human hands. And I tell you, I, I have completely blocked that out of my mind. Yeah. I can tell you every single detail of the story, but I have no idea who actually, you know, had them, had the gloves and who didn't. I really think people make jokes to process grief, honestly. Um, all right, uh, this is a question for you. Forensically speaking, what's the biggest advances in police forensics that has changed the face of policing? DNA. DNA. But DNA wasn't a thing when you were a cop. Ah, but all that evidence, all those crime scenes, all that, it's all bagged in warehouses, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's all there. (laughs) Truly, we are starting to get some incredible results. However, I feel as though I need to say something to you all tonight. This is my little um, soapbox, if I may. When I worked at the Central Fingerprint Bureau um, and you were found not guilty, in fact, not only not guilty, you were com- it was a fuck-up by the police, you'd go into the Central Fingerprint Bureau with your lawyer and we would hand over your fingerprints for destruction because that's fair. But guess what? We took copies of them. <laughs> All those people... And that's the Central Fingerprint Bureau. So all across Australia, all those people, and you can fucking quote me on this, I'm, I'm dead set, all those people that were found not guilty, all their prints are still on file. And that is, that's perverse. Now, my point being that, and this is going to sound a bit, you know, this is just my own thing about we're, we're moving into an age where don't we, everything is known about us, all right? Believe you me. We all know once we give away our freedoms, our liberty, we never get it back. Now, think about that, okay? We are heading into a dystopian, fucked up... I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I know, I know what happens behind the scenes. Governments... Oh, fuck, I don't want to sound like... I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a prepper. <laughs> no, seriously, but I, I think... If, if I lived in a country town and there was a, a, some horrendous crime in that town and they said, all the men have to give their DNA, I'm not giving you my DNA. So I'd be pilloried, I'd have to leave the town because people would be going, you know what people are like, oh, fuck, he must have done it. He's not giving his DNA. But once you give this stuff away, you're fucked. So that's, that's my... You know, I feel strongly about it. Yeah, I know. Oh, Thank you. All right. Anyway, so at least three people in the room agree yeah, with me. <laughs> uh, how has writing the book and doing the podcast impacted our relationship? We are, for a father and son, because a lot of father-son relationships are pretty dysfunctional, mm. like, like me and my dad. But um, Paul and I, we, God, we've got such a bond. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to actually, again on my soapbox, talk to fathers about... Because father-son relationships are, you know, they have the potential to be fantastic. I think things are really changing. Uh, You know, fathers and sons are demonstrative. They hug, they kiss, they... You know, it's it's wonderful. I um, remember the first time Dad... I hugged Dad in public. Um, I'd moved to Melbourne about 10 years ago. About two years in, we're standing on the corner up near Russell and Latrobe or whatever, and I just, like, hugged you, and you looked so uncomfortable... And I, and I yeah. held you for like a minute 45 and you were just really struggling. Yeah. I told my father, who's 90, that I loved him about two years ago. It took me 58 years to go up to my dad and say that. Mm. And my father, he was... He was he, 
you know, he, he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. It's he, like a language felt, people don't speak. You know, yeah. and it's, look, you know, it's... And the, the thing is that you have to do these things mm. because... And the weird thing is my dad used... Because my dad had a brother that passed away when dad was 12. The brother was 10. And whenever we used to fight, because I've got a brother, whenever we'd have fights, my father always used to say, look, you, you always want to end on a good note because something might happen. You, you know, you go out that night or something and you never get that chance. And, and I'm talking in cliches. You know, we hear this stuff all the time. But it's really, really important to, you know, not, not to ever go to bed. You know, if you have an argument, like I've had arguments with Christine and you lie there at night and you can both sense when you're in the bed that there's that, that sort of awkwardness. And you, and, but, you know, it's sort of... It's like a pride thing. Do I sort of reach over and, and then you're lying there and it's fucked. Yeah. So it's really important to sort of, you know, just sort of make peace. And Last time we fought, I was a teenager. We've gotten along since then. I was saying before it would be a really nice narrative for the book and the podcast if this whole project drew us closer together. But we've always gotten along. So it's boring but it's nice, you know. <laughs> Um, here's a question. What is being done by authorities to prevent drugs getting into jails? Nothing. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever um, encounter... Like, how, how hard is it to get stuff uh, into a prison? Well, um, you know, I mean... Well, kissing. What? You know, like... I know what kissing is, yes. No, but just transferring. But look... You know, wherever you've got humans, like this room tonight, it, it, everyone's sort of, you know, everyone's, um, look, you know, police forces and prisons are still corrupt. Right. Obviously. Mm. Because it's the human element. Um, tennis balls. Um, are you just saying random words throwing, there? Throwing balls. <laughs> thro- throwing balls over. Actually, here's something a bit freaky about balls. Not my balls, but... Um, <laughs> No, no, prison officers, when they use tear gas, they use these weird rubber balls that have got a little thing inside that makes them bounce, but you don't know where it's going to bounce to. So they throw these balls with, and they, as they bounce, they leave plumes of uh, tear gas mm. and the prisons, prisoners are trying to sort of run around chasing after these balls to try and catch them, but they can't because they don't know where it's going to... Because it doesn't go like that. It kind of, it's all over the shop. You're, just descri- the, you're describing AFL at this but, point. But imagine, uh, but, but imagine the kooky guys that are actually designing shit like this. It's a sort of a, a ball that you can never catch that has this gas inside it. I mean, it's pretty... When I was at Parramatta Jail, uh, and, and this is in the book, we went into this room and they sprayed for about a, a millionth of a second they sprayed mace... Mm. And it was completely, it, it was so traumatic, this one micro spray. It, it, it emptied the room. You know those big machines they use to sort of in, in Singapore to, to get rid of mosquitoes with, with the smoke, big yes. smoke machines? Mm. I've seen them use those machines with white copious gas coming out, putting them into one cell with one person inside. You can't even see the person for tear gas. Yeah. So... Well, anyway. Jesus Christ. Um, we have five minutes left. Uh, I know. I know. So I'm going to answer. I'm gonna, I think we'll do one more question. Um, speed questions. Speed questions? All right. You have to answer the questions in like, in like five seconds a pop. Um, John, are you still friends with Julian? If not, what happened? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, John, clearly you've led a very active and busy lifestyle. Apart from the podcast and Thailand holidays, how do you like to fill your time? That's from, uh, yeah. How do you like to fill your time, apart from the podcast? Hobbies? You have like... well, I, well, I deal in antiques, and I do a lot of research on antiques. 
That's not the most thrilling answer, but it is true. Um, it is true. Would Christine ever consider being a guest speaker on the podcast? Um, I'm going to answer that. Uh, maybe. We are, we're working on it because mum was a cop in the 80s. She went through some insane stuff. But she's also, like, not a show-off. <laughs> so when I say to mum, hey, uh, could you tell uh, everyone the story about the time you rushed a guy with a shotgun? She's like, don't make a fuss. It's no big deal. She's so lovely. She's she, great. She actually uh, she was involved in the heaviest scene with a... With a no, it was fucked up. And she just goes, no, it was so frightening. It was so intense. I wasn't there. Like, it's legend, this story. And she's, she goes, oh, you know. <laughs> seriously, it's, you know, she's, she's very sweet. She's very, she's very, like, the opposite of me. So she's very gregarious and, and sort of, you know, I'm shy and awkward. Fuck off. <laughs> That's not you. Um, what is your favourite true crime TV show? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, well, it's a new one, Mindhunter. Anyone seen right. that? Fuck. Oh. Here we go. Dad, it's so good. We're almost done. We can almost get through all these questions. Go, go. I found a wallet in the street today and handed it into the station. You had $24. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I Uh, mean, hand the wallet back, sure. Here's one for me. What was your relationship like with your dad when you were uh, younger? Fucked up. Was it? Yeah, bad. We didn't get along? No, hang on. My dad. No, me. Oh, brilliant. Love it. (laughs) No, sorry. Hey, Dad, how was our relationship? Fucked up. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Terrible. No, but can I just tell a very quick story? Yeah. Um, this is about really quick. Seriously, Tegan. What? I, I came into our bathroom one day. Uh, do you know this story? I hope and not. And there was a latex vagina on the sink. <laughs> and I, uh, what did you do with me? Nothing. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, t- you're the timekeeper. But it, it, it wasn't Paul's. It was his younger brother's. But anyway... <laughs> Now that's a... <laughs> Why did Mark have a fleshlight? <laughs> Next question. We can't finish on fleshlight. Um, actually, you can finish in fleshlight, so... And we're looking for sponsors. Wink, wink. Who was the craziest cop you ever worked with? Oh. Who knows the story about midnight when we filled up the paddy wagon with girls on New Year's Eve? And then my mate, we left the area. And then at midnight, he let six go in the backyard of a party. We had 20 girls in the back of the paddy wagon. He was amazing, this guy. (laughs) All right. Well, we're out of questions. Um, But listen, uh, I have some very, very, very important housekeeping. uh, And I've written this down so I don't forget anything. Um, Thank you so much for coming along to our uh, first live show. If you took photos, post them online and tag us. If you weren't able to grab a copy of the book, here's the deal. I wrote a book about Dad. I pitched it at Penguin like three years ago. They said, yes, I wrote the book. It's kind of a weird adventure novel slash true crime thing. Um, Do we have many copies left? we got a little bit left, but here's the deal. Dad and I are going to sign copies and write weird shit and take photos with you and hang out, but we're going to sign your copies of Loose Units. If you've already got your copy, that's cool. If you don't, grab one, and if we sell out, if you show us the receipt for the one that you've bought online, we've printed out these very special uh, like plaque things that you can put on the inside of your book so we can actually sign them and put them on the inside of your book for you. Because um, it's Father's Day, and it's a father-son book, and please buy the book. We are almost sold out of the first run of the book, and we have some big stuff planned sequel so um please you know please buy the book um what else have i written uh rate and review the show on itunes that's very important um huge huge thank you to everyone at the top in town they did our book launch they are big believers in loose units and they're amazing can we give them a round of applause please um 
Jason, our sound guy, Alex, our photographer. Thank you to Adam McKenzie uh, for helping out and shooting our insanely weirdly polished loose units trailer. Like, has anyone seen the trailer? It looks like Annie Leibovitz made it. It's amazing. Um, thanks to my wife, Tegan Higginbotham, for helping make this happen, running our Facebook, wrangling, organising, um, basically being the backbone of loose units. And um, thank you to you, Dad. Uh, I love you and, and you're thank amazing. You. And thank you. Thank you, Paul. And um, I would like to thank all of you people here tonight. The pressure on me tonight. No, no, I'm serious. You know what? Doing a podcast is one thing, but having real people in this room that have actually paid to come tonight, it puts a lot of pressure on me because, you know, it's human nature to sort of have self-doubt. And I hope that the stories that I've told you tonight, um, I hope you enjoyed them. Um, and there are, thank you. And uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think policing is one of the most important jobs. Um, I did go on to become a professional firefighter for ten years. So, and had, uh, we are talking about a spin-off series called Loose Units: Hot Stuff Coming Through. <laughs> yeah, and the and the and the fire brigade is a completely that's. That's another world too, because for lots of reasons. But you'll, I'm not going to sort of go, go into um, that too much at this stage. Spoiler alert: Dad was awarded a uh, a plaque from the mayor of Sydney for bringing a woman back from being clinically dead for seven minutes. So yeah. it's pretty action packed. Yeah. So um, you know, CPR really works. <laughs> no, no, it actually does. We yeah. this woman was, she was dead, dead a long time. Mm. It was winter. We we a mate and myself we did CPR and it was just she just sat up. Oh, fuck. She has permanent brain damage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just uh, that that I'm actually it's stressful for did everyone just, involved. Did I just say that? You did just say that, and Love now it. it's on the show. All right, um, so I, I'd like to say again, you're all fucking great people. You're amazing, and like this show. This show, we wouldn't do this without you. Like, we couldn't do it without you, but we also wouldn't. You're amazing. Like, Loose Units listeners and readers are amazing. So please come up and say hi, grab a photo, we'll sign your stuff, grab the book, and uh, we'll see you at the next live show. Good night. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.